Well, hello and welcome. I'm Nick. And I'm Andrew. And welcome to No Credit Continue DX, a.k.a. Some Credit Continue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because uh, in this special episode, this spinoff of the series, we're going to talk about games that cost some money, as opposed to what we usually do, which is talk about games which cost no money. Indeed. Um, there's a specific reason why, like, I figured we would have to break into like low cost indie games at some point, but this week specifically, uh, Enter the Gungeon just came out, and I feel like we need to clear the air because I've hear a lot of, in the wake of Enter the Gungeon, I've heard a lot of shade thrown on Nuclear Throne. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, specifically, the the one that I heard was Enter the Gungeon is the game that Vlambeer would have made if they weren't lazy, and instead they made Nuclear Throne. <laughs> coming saying that yeah like there's, there's something about like the the so basically this episode i just sort of want to we're going to talk a little bit about both nuclear throne and enter the gungeon uh i don't know if it's going to be like proper review of both but i really definitely want to like approach both of them because they are similar but also sort of do them both a favor to clear the air about how some of the very different aspects of them yeah um so where do we start? Do like uh, pick, do you want to pick a game and explain it first? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about Enter the Gungeon cuz I feel like there is a sense that it is like when I pick up Enter the Gungeon it reminds me a lot of Rogue Legacy. Yes. Um in the in the sense that this is what it's it's built the way that you expect roguelikes or roguelites to be built these days that it has like Ex- except it doesn't um, like, so the, like, the main things that I like, it's, it's more of a, it's more like Spelunky. It's yes. more of a Spelunky roguelike than a Rogue Legacy roguelike, because they, uh, uh, roguelike games nowadays have kind of gone both ways. There's the Rogue Legacy version, where you have the procedural stuff, um, and you go through, but when you die, you still carry something over. Yeah. Uh, because, like, in Rogue Legacy, you get money, you buy better equipment and stuff, and you have a slightly better chance going through the next time. Um, whereas, like, Spelunky, uh, you, you start the same every time. The only thing you get is knowledge. Well, so is it the, always helpful? The, like, Spelunky is sort of like the grandfather of this wave of this genre, but, the, like, actually what I most compare it to in my mind, I think, is um, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Oh, yeah, was, yep, yep, definitely. Uh, maybe even a little uh, 20xx, because what it definitely relies heavily on is this idea of uh, during some runs you get like a, a a post-mortem currency, which then you use to unlock more stuff that will appear in later runs. Uh, so you're not necessarily carry like that's the only thing that you carry out of, but it does expand. Also, the characters like there's the hub area that yeah. takes place of the main menu, uh, and yeah. in there there's like. I actually just unlocked a second shop that I think unlocks permanent upgrades. I don't know because it's an alien who speaks in an alien font. Okay, I was going to ask about that because I played Enter the Gungeon, um, and I didn't I didn't get too far in it, but I, I didn't, wasn't sure if they did have any permanent things that went on between runs other than like possibly unlocking uh, characters or whatever. Yes, there's a bunch. So what have I got? Like you start out with nothing. What yeah. I've gotten by this point is. Uh, you there's a 
Basically, uh, in some levels, there's a golden key that either unlocks a big chest or sometimes there will be a uh, NPC locked in a cell somewhere on that level, too. Oh. And you can use that to let them out instead. And what I've gotten so far is I've gotten uh, this one pair who basically is a uh, between-death unlock shop. The alien who is also that, but I don't actually know what it is. Uh, he just seems <laughs> to have a different set. Uh, there was, I think, one or two mid-run shopkeeps that I've unlocked okay. this way. Uh there's a pair of hunters who have given me like, hey, over the course of multiple kills, the uh, unlock or kill this kind of enemy a hundred times, and then I forget exactly what they gave me oh, when okay. I did that. But um, yeah, because that well, I yeah, I've done about I only did about like a dozen runs or so, and I didn't run into any of that stuff. Yeah, I think I'm up to about twenty five now, and nice. I've only gotten to the last level once. Oh, um, and there's Winchester who runs a game of skill in the dungeon. You don't free him. He's just in there dicking about until okay. you find him. Yeah. And then he shows up in the hub and he's just like, hey, I'm I'm not on the clock right now. Find me later. It's like, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, yeah, like, I, I, the game in general, I really like. Uh, I love the music. I love the designs. Uh, the theme is guns. Everything is bullets. Your health is bullets. Currency is bullets. <laughs> It's it's really great. The thing that I like, um, the loading screen is a bullet wandering <laughs> over to a chamber and loading itself in. The teleporters are bullets. The elevators yes. between levels are bullets. <laughs> the spawn animation is a crosshair, so the enemies are just being fired into the room with yep. you. And when you die, you get shot by the time gun. Uh, so that's I like the lore of this game, mm-hmm. uh, and I also like. People are quick to say this is the Dark Souls of blank whatever, or like just about games in general these days. Um, I will say there is more lore in item descriptions than anywhere else in this game, and that is perhaps the most Dark Souls thing about it. Like there's this dude who's been mentioned in a couple of items, generally the items made out of like skulls and pieces of corpses. That's like, yeah, it's Nguyen. He's like the first of the gun dead. And I'm like, all right, I bet that dude has like a cool cape and skeleton puppets. Yeah. And that, that's, um, I mean, I think that's kind of the best way uh, to expound the lore and in this kind of game in general, because it's, it's, it's basically, you know, running around shooting things, twin shooter type thing. You, you don't really have time to tell a story. And so the items give a good, is a good way to do that. Yeah, it definitely, like, it's, it's interesting because, like, if you want to, like, have optional story, it's either the Dark Souls way or the Mass Effect way, where it's like, hey, every little thing you find has a little bit of story attached to it, or every little thing you find unlocks a piece of the story in your big codex book. Um, and then you can break that out into a mobile app, and then you can just read about the story whenever you want, I guess. Oh, Why did people do that? Check your the war status. I think that's what that app did, too. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just like the over... Like, there's four characters, and each one of them has some bit of their past that they are looking to kill. Yeah. Like, they're not just redeeming their past, they're looking to kill the past. <laughs> and that's like Another one of the, like, unlockables is over the course of the levels, like, there's four levels before the blacksmith level, and you need to bring the blacksmith the four pieces of the original bullet, which is the only bullet strong enough to kill the past. Oh, God. 
And I just like that <laughs> idea of like they've done it. This is the we need we need to gather the parts for the bullet that can kill the past. Literally. Um, but that's also like neat and scary because I think that implies that like completion is actually tracked separately by characters. Cause I think when you complete the bullet, I'm just guessing here because I haven't made it that far, but I think there's like a unique boss per character that you only get when you build the bullet that can kill the past. So uh, how did you... What control scheme did you use for this game? I'm doing keyboard and mouse because... Okay. Um, the only reason I picked up the controller was, one, because uh, co-op, which is cool that there's a co-op character, but that's a yeah. different story. Um, I thought that on the keyboard I was at a disadvantage because I can only roll in eight directions because digital inputs... But even using a controller, it locks you to eight movement directions. Yeah. And that seems like some bullshit. Uh, so, the reason, because game, games like this, that is that annoys me in that, because you're trying to shoot things that are far away, and you've got an aim thing, but it's also a bullet hell. So you have to be paying attention where your actual body is. Yeah. And what you're aiming at the same hot time. Um, and I've found, so, like... So I don't like it either control screen because of that, but I found um, where I was using the controller, uh, and so I could kind of aim. I basically did it more of a twin stick shooter in which you don't really care if you hit or not. You're just shooting in the general direction of your enemies. Mm. That, that's actually the thing. Like um, The best runs I've had are all the runs where I get like the hit scan weapons, like the sniper or the M1 or oh. the eye of the beholster. That's a pretty good gun. Um <laughs> Yeah, we need to talk about, like, the thing about the actual guns in a minute here. But, like, yeah, uh, like, I come from a very bullet hell-friendly background. So, yeah. like, when you tell me, like, oh, yeah, no, it's a lot about dodging, I'm super yeah. into it. Except um, it's 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 not, like, it, it's partway bullet hell, in, except for some bosses. Because, like, in the, in the actual rooms, you have, usually in a bullet hell, you've got, like, a ton of enemies shooting you all, all at once. Um, and in, in the individual uh, dungeon rooms... It's a little bit because there's a smaller amount of enemies shooting a little bit less. It's, it's less of a hellscape um, and gives you time to kind of shoot. But that and that's where the kind of control scheme messed me up. I'm like trying to aim at these individually, but also trying to dodge. Yeah, and I think when you're using a controller, the auto aim is much much stronger, so it does become a lot more about mm -hmm. placing your body than worrying about the shooting. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's actually what I would say. Like. This is a weird hybrid spot, because when I think of a bullet hell, you know, I think of almost like the layout of the enemies on screen is sparser, but then they are laid out in a specific way that you're crafting essentially a pattern of bullets on the screen, and it's about looking for where the windows is, and I feel like... The way that the enemies move around and the timing on their shots and, like, when they shoot, like, the patterns are way more random and it's actually really frustrating to me. The thing that happens most is I try to dodge, like, I try to dodge, th like, out of a situation where I'm going to get hit, but then every spot around me within dodge roll distance will also get me hit. <laughs> um, I but then, again, like a bullet hell, like, you have the dodge roll, which gives you uh, invincibility frames to get out of the way, but yeah. then you also just have bombs that clear bullets. So yep. you, you can just do that, too. Yep. Um, so it is very much like a 
this brings more of like the player agency of a bullet hell. Because when I think of Nuclear Throne, I also think of a bullet hell, but less like it, it's 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 less. Le- there's less. It brings less of the things you would expect beyond yeah. just there's a ton of bullets and you're looking for the safe space. Yeah, because well, yeah, because well, what is nice about uh, Enter the Gungeon is especially the enemies that shoot lots of bullets. They mm. shoot them in visible patterns. It's not just kind of a spray. Did you get to that triple totem dude, though? No. So there's a dude who's, like, a triple, like, a three-stage enemy, because he's a totem pole. Mm-hmm. And, like, the bottom layer shoots, like, nice, clean waves. The second layer shoots, like, alternating double-side quicker waves. And then the third one just gives a random spray of bullets <laughs> to each side. And it's just like, well, uh... this is less reasonable as you do more damage <laughs> to him. It's like, it makes sense because it makes it harder. But in a way that kind of makes it just more bullshit, because it does feel random enough that it's like, okay, you didn't think to give me a safe space to get yeah. to. Like, like the, there's a difference between like, hey, this is hard, but there is a way to defeat this challenge. And then there's like, hey, this is a wall of bullets that you can't escape. Um, one of the biggest, like, there was a, a patch that went up last night or the night before as we record this uh that was like yeah no that one boss who is literally just a tank we did a lot to nerf him like <laughs> the ads don't lead their targets anymore and now certain hits have like a minimum range before he will fire it so it doesn't just do half of your health in like Ouch. because he's next to you yeah. like they i, I feel like they did such a good job on the art and the themes, but when it comes to the mechanics of this game, it's a little uh, uh, not. It, it isn't as well balanced as other games of this type. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's it's, still... there's a little more bullshit you got to deal with. There's yeah. so many times where I feel like a run goes poorly, not because of anything I do, but just because, like, well, I didn't get a leveled up enough a high enough tier weapon as i progressed to the levels or like oh just like there was this you know combination of enemies in the room and so like there was nothing for me to do except use bombs and those are limited so i was just screwed yeah i I rarely use uh, because i'm super conservative conservative when it came to weapons um so like i would always just use the starter weapon except when i picked up something bizarre but like when i was playing through for the first time i knew i was going to enjoy it First enemy showed up and it's a bullet with a gun. I'm like, yep. yes, this is great. And then a shotgun shell shows up with a shotgun. And then I get to the boss and it it there's a Gatling gun and mm-hmm. every like everything the boss the opening boss is like, okay, there's a Gatling in a next. Oh man, a bird swooped down. Oh man, the bird is gonna come at me with a Gatling gun. And then the bird flexes and all the feathers on its torso fly off and you see muscles and I'm like alright this is even better and then it goes to the name screen and it's Gatling Call and just that face that he's (laughs) making on the screen oh my god (laughs) yes oh my god Um, yeah no like I love it I love this let's talk about the guns for a minute okay because there's the pea shooter which is a literal pea shooter it shoots peas like it's part like I think the mailbox may be my favorite gun so far Okay. Because it's a mailbox and it fires letters out of it, but then the very last round in the chamber, or the very last round in the clip, fires a package, which does more damage and inflicts a status effect, but you don't use it if you reload early. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, similar is the Eye of the Beholster, which if you empty the clip before reloading, then it's, you get like a little buddy who spawns and then moves around and starts shooting uh, <laughs> guys for you, but only on the last clip, so you don't get him if you reload early. I got the um, like 
the cannon, which is just a literal cannon. I got one that was an an engine from an alien ship. Okay. So, like, it was short range. It didn't actually fire a projectile. It just had a big flame out the front, but it pushed you backwards when you <laughs> fired it. It was great. I like the uh, high-pressure water cannon. Yeah. Just continuous stream of water. When you get to, like, like stage three or four, that's really powerful because there's tons of pits everywhere. Oh, it was actually really useful. Um... But then if you get that early on, it's not useful on the stages where there's not a lot of pits, so you kind of just get screwed, because it does, like, no damage. Um, but no, like, the mailbox was cool, because the, the, the story description on that was like, yeah, at some point we figured out that, like, anything vaguely shaped like a gun behaves like a gun down in the gun. Room. So we just, like, <laughs> sawed off the, 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 the mailbox post until it was about handle size, and now the mailbox acts like a gun. The gun is a mysterious place. There's a lowercase r. No good. Because it looks kind of like a gun. <laughs> so it looks like a gun. But it shoots the word bullet, and instead of making a gunshot, you just hear a guy go, bullet, bullet, <laughs> bullet. There, there's, like, the book enemies, and they shoot the, the they shoot bullets in, like, the form of letters. Yep. It's that they're really... Again, like, the it feels good, because I feel like I'm finally getting revenge on those flying books from, uh... Masters of Terracossi. That's not the game. <laughs> What's the one where you go crazy? Shoot Mania? Nope, that's Shoot not it. Mania. Track Mania? Um, <laughs> be a Track Maniac. No, the Masters of Silicon Valley? Masters of Silicon Eternal Darkness! Okay. Are there books in that one? I don't think there are flying books in Eternal Darkness. It, wait. Well, there are flying books, but that's just when you're insane and they don't do it. Yeah, anything. no, those books. Just the one that sort of, like, innocently fly across the room when your back is turned. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm getting revenge on those specific <laughs> insane effects books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, we all have a past. We cannot hide. Unless we kill it. <laughs> I need to go back to the past. and when This Canadian firefighter will get a gun that can shoot an inferno? I don't. I didn't get that far in the game. I love the Canadian firefighter from Iraq. Or oh, in Iraq. great. Uh, Fighting oil fires. Uh, that's a good game, too. But <laughs> not quite a bullet hell. No, it's a different kind of hell. <laughs> it's a special kind of hell. Uh, oh, also yeah, cool like, about like the... Enter the Gungeon is you can kick tables into cover. Did you get any of the table techs? No. So some passive items are table techs. Okay. And what they do is they are, like... They're, they're active abilities that trigger when you flip a table. Nice. So one of them is, like, rage mode, and you flip a table, and, like, you get it, like, five seconds of time slow, where you fire triple shots of whatever gun you're <laughs> holding. Um, the one that's my favorite is uh, table tech blanks. So when you flip a table, it's the same effect as using a blank. Oh, that's cool. Which is the, the bullet-clearing bomb. Yeah. I think I think that's my favorite one, actually. That's pretty useful. Um, so those are really cool to get. Uh, so yeah. yeah, like like there's and, uh, uh, continuing to look at this game as a comparison. There's a lot that this game does with uh, almost like uh, let's compare it to another one in a similar genre, like Risk of Rain, where that game was yep. entirely yep. about here get like passive abilities and some active abilities and just like it's all about like watching that bar of icons grow as yeah, you go further and further. So many upgrades. 
Yes. Oh, that game was great. That game was pretty good. Um, but yeah, like this game, like that's the thing. This game feels like it, it's. This game feels more like part of a crowd. Like it's looking at everything else that these rogue like and rogue light games are doing, and just like, yeah, let's also do that and also do that. But you know, our core mechanic is the twin stick rather than uh, yep. being like a side scroller or being uh, whatever Risk of Rain was. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, and they they picked a nice theme and they went with it. Yeah, and just like I I actually got to talk to the developer uh when I went to PAX East last year mm-hmm. in 2015. Yeah, that sounds right. Um and th- what they were saying is uh they specifically didn't do an early access thing, like that was a decision on their part because they wanted there to be a lot of stuff to find in the game. And like We've mentioned already like over a dozen of the different wacky guns that we found, and that's still not even close to all of them. Yeah. Uh, there's there was a a gun that's just a barrel that fires fish out of it, and that one might be my favorite. <laughs> uh, it's like but, shooting fish out of a barrel. Wait. But <laughs> exactly, I that's I think the subtitle is it's just that easy. <laughs> um, it's as easy as what it is. Uh, but but like there's also they did like the indie game thing of it's full of references. So like the convict has a starting item, which is don't believe his lies. And it's a photograph of a dude and that's memento. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember there's probably a gun. That's the polar star from cave story. I expect that to be in there, although I have not found it, but just like all of the stuff you find as references to other, that was a there's good a, gun. it's so good. There's a single action army, which uh, it reflects off of walls and targets enemies, so you just do the revolver ocelot trick shot thing. <laughs> um, so and like th- that's the thing. Like part of at some point, like I'm almost going back just to see how much other stuff is in there rather than to actually play it because like it plays fine, but the sort of the like not unbalanced, but like. It could have been balanced a little kinder. It just there are too many points where I feel like I'm just getting screwed over by randomness in this game. Yeah, I haven't really reached that point yet. So I've just well, I've just this kind of game, like same with Spelunky and stuff. Um, even though you kind of unlock things, I can't play it a lot in one sitting just because I don't get that positive feedback. Yeah, um, like it's fun and I enjoy it while I'm playing. But it's like, well, I just died. I'm not gonna do that again right now. Yeah. It's one of those ones where it's like, you do one run, and then as soon as you take your final hit, you press Alt-F4, and then you come back in ten minutes. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's how that works. Um, and, like, it, it's really weird, because it's, the starting gun they give you has infinite ammo, and you have a dodge roll, which is guaranteed invincibility frames. So there's, like, here are two things to make sure that you're never fully screwed over, and that you have a way to get out of situations. But at the same time, it's like, it's not enough. Because if you get, if, like, eventually there's a dude who lets you open up shortcuts to start at later levels. But, like, if you're jumping right into the third or fourth level, I don't see how that's gonna, like... Yeah, that was, well, that was... That's not really gonna cut it. Yeah, it was the same kind of thing in, like, Spelunky, is you could unlock the shortcuts, but that was... You never wanted to do that because you lost out on a lot of upgrades you were gonna need for later levels. It was mainly used for, like just going for specific unlocks in those levels and stuff with no intention of living through the end. Yeah. But even in Spelunky, like, the... 
sort of like as a the ability set that you have in Spelunky, it like the core of it. The, like the core abilities you have are like whip and jump and grab ledges and like grab stuff, and that never really changes. So, like even when you start into caves, like if you need to do fancy things, you can still like grab a landmine real quick and start doing fancy things with that. Whereas in this, it's just like yeah, no, you always have a gun, but your the gun that you your core ability gun is just like no, this is going to be useless at some point. So if you don't have another gun, you're kind of just screwed. Like you have it, you will never be completely without, but you will be like functionally without. Just it, like it almost becomes a, a weird stat game. Like I've had runs where I've gotten like five or six guns, but none of them just have the damage output to be worth anything. So I end up using the the infinite gun anyway because it's just like, well, nothing I have is is really any better than this at this point. Yeah, I tend to just use the deep. infinite gun just because I don't like using ammo. Yeah, no. Like, oh, I'm gonna use this later and then never use it. Once I pick up five guns, then I'll start using the other guns just for fun. Because it's like, well, one of these is going to be my boss killer, and aside from that, let's have fun. Yep. Uh, but even then, it's very quick to just run. I, th- I think it was, like, earlier today or yesterday, I-, I did a run where I had, like, six or seven different guns, and I ran them all out of ammo oh, no. on, like, the third stage. Um, one of them was cool. It was a mermaid shotgun. Okay. Uh, and it uh, charmed enemies. It had a chance to charm enemies. Yeah. That was cool. It's like, all right, the siren shotgun. All right, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That reminds me of the wave, uh, the wave shotgun from Borderlands, where it shoots like seven bullets, and they move in a wave pattern for no Ooh. reason. It's, woo. There's actually a gun like that in Nuclear Throne too. Yeah. So like, I I don't know. There's something to be said that this game is more Gungeon is like the more polished of these two. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, that polishes all I think in like aesthetics because like when you flip tables sometimes they have junk on them and just like so much like particle debris that can just fly all over a room because like there's barrels all around there's nothing in them some of them are just there to block your shots but like when they destroy you can like wreck a whole room and just debris goes flying everywhere and it looks great and just like the, the amounts of different artwork like the the levels are also fairly huge in Gungeon. Um like yeah, you they're go through size. you you go through one level and there's one guy who I found who just wants like if you like look in map every room of a level and then come back to him he'll just like give you something and like oh okay. Um but like I don't know like who are these people who are not clearing every room to get every bit of money that they can get because there's like one better gun in the shop that they need, even though it's not necessarily a yeah, gun that they I would want anyway. I've like, seen people like I always have to do the whole thing just because I want as many big money and upgrades as possible. But I have seen people just kind of like decide it's not worth the risk of getting hurt or whatever and just go straight for like boss type things. Yeah, but like it is though, because like. Some rooms, just when you beat them, just drop a key, which opens a chest, which could be a gun, or will drop a blank, or will drop a piece of armor, which yeah. is temporary uh, increased health. And it's just like, like no, like dealing with the – some of those bosses are just like too much bullcrap. Like the Amoconda. Did you fight that thing? No. So it's terrible. It's a gigantic snake that will shoot out of like eight different points on it all at once in like – six or seven different bullet patterns, as well as there are ads who shoot homing shots at you, 
And if he eats one of those ads, then he gets increased armor for a duration. And also, I had a run where he just, like, he moves randomly around the room, and at one point he just, like, hit me with his face, like, six or seven times. Just because, like, he moves so much faster than you do, you can't even roll out of the way. Like, he is so long that you can't roll completely through him. And it's just, like... That boss is just so much bullcrap. <laughs> the only way to, to have a chance is just like, no, I need everything I can possibly juice out of this dungeon before I, I maybe encounter him. Because that's the thing. You don't know what which boss you're going to encounter until you walk into the room and the door locks behind you. Yeah. Like, ugh. <laughs> it's, it's really frustrating. Uh... But it, it, like, like I said, like at some point, like, and they, they give you the Ammonomicon which is just like your book that holds all of the item descriptions so you can look at everything that you've collected whenever you want. Yeah. Like, if I fill up that book before I defeat the final bosses, that's where I'm going to stop this game, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's just because it's like, I, I want to know how much they put in it because they definitely know that, like, hey, we put, like, a lot of good artwork and a lot of good descriptions and a lot of wacky stuff in here, but that's... All of that that narrative fluff kind of stuff is better than the gameplay, I think. Okay. In, in yeah, I haven't reached the point. I mean, I don't really, like I said, I don't enjoy playing these games uh, a lot in one sitting. Um, but I haven't reached the point where I'm getting frustrated at the mechanics yet. At least not as much as I was getting frustrated with mechanics in Nuclear Throne. You want to talk about Nuclear Throne now? Uh, we might as well. Okay, let's talk about Nuclear Throne now. Uh, because I freaking love Nuclear Throne. Yeah, you play a lot of Nuclear Throne. Let's, uh, let me do a, a check real quick here. I have 133 hours in Nuclear Throne. Ow! Um, <laughs> so I was, I've been playing it since it was still called Wasteland Kings, and it was part of a Mojam-hosted game jam. Mojam? 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 Uh, <laughs> That's fun to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been playing this game since uh, there was not a final boss. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I've been playing this game since the Nuclear Throne was not in it, per se, but they did have the tooltip that said the throne definitely exists. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like... <sighs> so, Nuclear Throne... Uh, you are a monster thing, and you want to get the nuclear throne. You want to be... I mean, you're a person. Well, you're a person. Everyone used to be a person. Just, you know. Everyone might be a person, and that's true of life right now. (laughs) Hey. What? (laughs) Yes. You want the nuclear throne. That's that's all. What do you want to do with it? Eh. Yeah, no, it's, like, when it starts, you have, like, five different characters all gathered around the campfire, and they all come from different walks of life before the thing that happened that made everybody into mutated, uh, things. Uh, like, what is it? You have Crystal. I love Crystal. Who's a walking crystal shield. Uh, there's Fish, who is basically Kevin Costner in The Postman. (laughs) Uh, see, who else do you start with? Uh, you, those are the only two you start with. That's right, you only start with two. Uh, and then you unlock, like, Plant Guy. Uh, so the the first one that you will probably unlock, 
And I take it as a pride that when like the game was finally out of early access and they reset progress was not the first one I unlocked. <laughs> but the first one that you will probably unlock is Melting, who is like a half oh, right. skeleton yep. and melting mutant. Does that does, do you just get melting by getting melted? By dying, yes. Yeah. You unlock that character by dying. Yeah. Um which I should say this about Gungeon. Um I looked up one thing that I was curious about and accidentally learned that there are unlockable other player characters. Oh, I really? don't know how many, but there's at least one. Cool. I have no idea how you do it. Um, uh, but yeah, Nuclear Throne. The only thing that there is to unlock is characters. Uh, like every weapon that's in the game is already out there for you to find. Uh, there's no, like, there's lots of passive upgrades, but there's a. There's a leveling mechanic, like a experience mechanic. So every time you fill up your bar, you just get another passive trait. Or some of them are active? No. Every character starts with a unique active trait. Some of them have unique starting weapons. Some of the level ups modify their active trait. Yeah. Well, there's something called Throne Butt. Um, yeah, no. Everyone has a unique active and passive, and Throne Butt will upgrade those. Um, but, like... Uh, every time you level up, you are presented four from the total pool of upgrades, so you have to pick one of the four that you're randomly given. Um, and you can only take each one once. Uh, let's see here. There are other things that you permanently unlock, but basically you are unlocking them to be able to start with them. There's always a way to get them during the run, and so... Yeah. Uh, basically, like, except for characters, everything that's available in the game is available from your first play. Yeah. Um, you just probably will not live long enough to get them. So, yeah, that's sort of the other thing about it, is that um, Nuclear Throne feels similarly like it puts you in a procedurally generated space with a whole bunch of enemies in it, and they will shoot very many, many bullets at you. Yeah. Uh, but you don't get any equivalent of like dodge roll or bombs, so you just need and to not get, get shot. Infinite ammo. Yes, you're you're Which... starting what your starting gun. <sighs> so your starting gun is actually really really good. Um, yes, it is. There's a total of seven. Yeah, you can look at it. There's a total of seven different areas uh, that you progress through towards the end boss. And, you, like, if you consider that as just seven levels, you can use that starting weapon good up through, like, the third or fourth area. Uh, and only then do you really need to... If you if you get good enough, it'll last you that long, and then you can trade off for something better. Um, which, like, okay, uh, they put a bunch... Maybe not so much wacky guns. Some of the, the higher tier guns are wacky in how powerful they are. <laughs> so, like, on the first level, you might find a shotgun. A couple levels later, it'll be, like, a sawed-off shotgun. Or, uh, well, it's, or like, eventually you start seeing, like, a flame shotgun where uh, all the pellets have a chance to light enemies on fire. You have bouncer shotguns where all the shots will bounce off the walls. Then you start getting stuff like the eraser, which... Uh, fires gigantic shotgun bullets about seven at once in a straight line, and they all hit the <laughs> enemy separately. So it's like point at thing you want to go away. I it's like a great. Weapon. I like using the sledgehammer. 
Oh, the sledgehammer is really good. So that's one thing I'll say is uh, they have melee weapons and... The screwdriver. Why? Do you want to know why? (laughs) Screwdriver can fix anything. (laughs) Screwdriver is how you get to one of the secret areas. Makes sense. Um, And there's like a bunch of secret areas. Secret areas might almost double the number of environments that you would normally see on a run, actually. Uh, And a lot of them have... Every area has unique enemies uh, who all have unique patterns. And, like, so basically what will happen is, like, enemies don't necessarily just straight get stronger. That's something I noticed in Gungeon, which kind of made me upset and sort of a little bit of outrage, is that you'll see, for the most part, the same enemies will appear. Like, the enemies that you see at the start, you will see through till the the end, almost as deep as you I mean, there's there's a, a large number of different ones, though. There are. Some of them are just like, so like there's the shotgun guy, but then later there's just a stronger shotgun guy who like has, is more accurate and explodes into more bullets when he dies, maybe. Uh, but like, even when you see the, the grunt bullets that you've been seeing from the beginning, they just literally take more hits to kill. They just get stronger. Their stats just go up. Um, and that seems kind of weird because it's already kind of hard to like, get more DPS weapons as you go through. So it's like, they're the same guys. Why are they not the same? Uh, you could just throw more at me to make it harder. I would understand that. You already have these other actually harder guys who look different, so I know that they're going to be harder. What are you doing? There's just things about that game that just make me mad because it's just like, why would you make this? Like, you're you're taking all of the smart trends that people have done, but then you're also doing these things that are like specific decisions that don't seem smart. Why would you do this? Um, but yeah, uh, in Nuclear Throne, like every area has unique enemies, and they behave uniquely. So they like it gets harder because people are doing things that you've not seen before, and not just because they're putting out more bullets or doing more damage. Uh, and what else? Uh, when you kill the last enemy, you get sucked into oblivion, even if there is a treasure chest within reach. So, there was a... (laughs) happens to me so many times, I hate it. If it's close enough, then you can... um... Well, you could try running away, but uh, if you're too close, you get sucked in no matter what. That's why Fish is good. His roll increases his speed, so you have a better chance of escaping the pull of the portal. Nice. Uh, If the treasure chest is close enough to the portal, it'll pop it, draw in the guns, and they will spawn at your feet at the next level. That's true. Um, And there was a, a long period... During which I played through, where that was not the case, where it would it would open the chest, pull the weapons into it, make them disappear, and then they wouldn't spawn on the next level. <laughs> and that was even more annoying because there is a mechanic where if there is something on the level that you fail to pick up or you choose not to pick up, do that for like one or two levels in a row, and then a bigger, better version of that item will appear hmm. uh, to sort of help you make up for it. Uh, so if the portal was opening it on its own, and then you didn't get anything out of it, you also lost a chance for that better one coming oh, up. No. That was really annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so you just go through all these environments, and you get stuff, and you level up, and you get... It has a really good ramp of weapons, because like, there's, there's a weapon chest on every level guaranteed, and... At some point, it stops dropping lame weapons that were good at the beginning of the game and start just dropping like better leveled up versions of those weapons. Uh, even though a lot of the earlier weapons you can will last you a very long time. 
Uh, so this is a it's a nice smooth ramp where you never really feel outgunned. The hardest thing about it is just avoiding bullets because like it's definitely a game where you need to like. Uh, Gungeon will break its separate rooms into like just big rooms that will lock the doors, and then you just need to deal with what's in the room. Uh, the way Nuclear Throne generates its map, there's a lot of hallways between rooms, so you have this chance to like okay, yeah, you can run and hide. Like, I, I start in the middle of this area with lots of enemies. You can pick, like, okay, if I shoot this guy, it'll make a window over here so I can run into this hallway, clear that out, and then, like, work my way back. I have yet hallway. to learn which enemies are explosive charged. Yeah, that's an important thing to learn. Um, the green scorpions are explosive. Uh, the bandits like to camp out near barrels, and barrels are explosive. And sometimes... Sometimes they shoot 90 degrees to where you are and they will strike a barrel <laughs> and just sort of help you that way. Um, I, I've, I, I just like, and there's maybe never more than like four or five enemy types per environment in, in Nuclear Throne. So I, f I feel like it's just, it, it feels like a longer journey mm. because there's more environments and you see more things in those environments between the weapons and the enemies. And it just feels like Gungeon has all of the guns, but it's like in order to see through all the guns, it's based on random chance and you're going through the same stuff over and over again. Uh, by the time you actually get to the boss in Nuclear Throne, it's it's kind of got that classic arcade feel where it's just like, well, how far can I get on one quarter? And every time yeah. you get a little bit yeah, farther, Nuclear you Throne get is a little very arcadey, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, controls. Oh my god. So, I <laughs> I started playing Nuclear Throne, and I first tried to do controller, which is the worst. Yeah, because I don't like their controller I, side I for that. I don't know, like, so I, you, you aim with the right stick, which is fine, but it, it draws the aim reticule in towards you when you're not pushing it. Yeah. So you have to, like, tip the stick Partially to get it, it's it's not to get it pointed. When I tried to switch it to keyboard, and I decided I didn't want the arrow keys to be my movement, I wanted to do WASD. Yeah. Um, and I switched some of the other controls. Uh, WASD did move them, but they also fired. Weird. Uh, and <laughs> I it, it took me. I I don't. I still don't know how I fixed it. Uh, huh. Like I shut down and restarted it a bunch of times. Uh, and eventually, I fixed it. Uh, though it's the prompt for like pick up a gun is still E or whatever. Yeah, they, they've had a they've had a little issue with that. Apparently, I think it was something with like French keyboards have a different layout such that the Wasad Q and E were like nowhere near each other, and but like overlapped with other things in a weird way <laughs> and just like so like they, they've actually had some some problems with like keyboard input for a little while that they've addressed and maybe still not perfected but they're aware of it and they're trying they're trying very hard <laughs> um the, the problem that i have with the the joypad controls is the way just how harsh like the camera is like centered on the midpoint between you and your cursor but it snaps to that location. So if you're just swinging the stick yeah. around to aim, yeah. it is swinging your camera like a madman. Yeah. Um, 
And the thing that I would really love is if just like, like the, the way you aim, the distance doesn't matter except to get that. Um, yeah, it's just it's just to get the direction. And so yeah, it's just you, to get that. When your ridicule is farther away, you you usually because usually your enemies are farther away, so you're trying to make the best, you know, make it closest to them. Yeah, uh, but like, I wish that there was a slider to not make it jump out so far because then the camera wouldn't swing as harshly. Yeah, and like, because like sometimes just like okay, he's up there at the upper left, and by the time the camera swings around, it feels like it's in a totally different place. Yep. And like it makes me overcorrect, which I didn't need to do, so then I just miss. Yep. Um, was it the plant? When you fire his snare, you can hold it down, and the camera will adjust based on where that lands. So you can do that to like push yourself off screen and start taking sniper shots. <laughs> it, it's cool. Like the the active abilities that the characters have are really varied. So like crystal, yeah. crystal shields does the to shield reflect thing, bullets. Nice. Um, fish rolls. Fish rolls. roll like a fish. <laughs> Uh, which I think his throne butt makes it so that it's a water jet, like freaking Squirtle doing surf or something. <laughs> but I think that starts to like do damage to enemies and can like push them back. So like the, the abilities give you a lot of tactical advantage. The, my favorite character is chicken who has actually become a real big pain to unlock. But, uh, her thing is she can throw weapons. Nice. And so it's just like, okay, this gun is empty, so I'm just going to chuck this crossbow at the next guy. And when you <laughs> upgrade, it's kind of cool, because then um, if you have, like, two empty guns, that's fine. You throw one at one dude, it kills them, and then you throw one at the next dude behind him as you pick up the first one. And you just juggle two <laughs> guns to kill everyone in the room. It's really fun, actually. Um Plus, the damage it does is based on your level, so that just it's as long as you're you're getting the XP, which you're gonna, yeah, uh, it stays a viable option. Nice. And then the throwing butt makes it pierce. So if you want to kill like five guys with one throw, <laughs> it makes you feel real My cool. Gun went through seven guys. Um, with uh, melting, his thing is that he makes corpses explode, which could be so good just, at that. Yeah, I don't think they hurt you. Oh, good. <laughs> um, which is good because he starts with like one hit away from death. But it means that, like, if, as long as you can kill one dude within a group of enemies, you can make him kill two around him and make them kill two around them, and it, like... He's the, mo he's the character most like a Mentos commercial. <laughs> it's hard to, to talk about Nuclear Throne, because that's the thing, like... The most story it has is in the tooltips. And I freaking love the tooltips. Because just, like... The tooltips are changed depending on the weapons you have equipped, depending on your character, depending on the area you're in, and depending on the passive abilities you have taken. Yeah. Uh, and they're often, like, between actual, like, useful gameplay tips. Like, um, Screwdriver Can Fix Anything is telling you that, like, hey, this yeah. you want a screwdriver for something yeah. specific and special. But, like, also there's just, like, steroids used to be a scientist. Steroids just being just, like biggest, brashest dude whose special ability is that he holds two guns at once and can hold... Uh, he has a higher max ammo, and he starts out with full ammo for his main weapon. Um, he used to be the scientist. He's also the least accurate. He used to wear glasses, too. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like... I don't know. Just some, some of them are just like, the wind hurts. And that one just like... That one gets me in a weird way, because, like, it's not telling you anything, it's not about any specific thing, but it's just, like, here's something about how the characters feel. Here's how rough their life is. The wind hurts. Yeah. Um, also, uh, just, like, 
if only we could talk to the monsters. But it's like, aren't we also monsters? And that's really the question. Aren't what we is also monster? monsters? What is a monster? Shatter. Miserable little, a miserable little pile of mutations. Yeah. <laughs> um, the mutations are pretty good because it's just like, oh, hey, you want to walk better? Extra feet. Yeah, you know, just get some extra you um, want more health from health kits? Extra stomach. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Thumbs up, chumps. I'll eat anything. Robots. Robot can digest anything because that's his active is that he can eat guns that you've that you're not using in order to get more, like more ammo. And then I think his throne butt makes it also give him health. Iron um, salt. Yeah. But yeah, it's so like. That's one. Of the like, it's the the. The difference between these games, which is why I really wanted to talk about it, I f- it feels like there's less to talk about with Nuclear Throne, but I feel like what they do have is actually more finely balanced. Maybe not polished as much, but better balanced. Um, um, it's it's hard. It's it. You definitely have to take it from that in that Nuclear Throne is very much more of an arcade thing, yeah. and I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, um, you've got like all this stuff in it, and it's maybe not appearance-wise as polished and stuff, but it's there. It's 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 complete. It's just the, how you play it is slightly different. Whereas uh, Enter the Gungeon is definitely more of the kind of roguelike uh, home game, whatever that you have. Yeah, it the the it's much heavier on like the between runs and yeah, but but even like on the passive, like a good run. A lot of your abilities are coming from like actually finding stuff, and a lot of that is left up to chance. Like again, literally, sometimes you just have a chance of finding a thing when a level ends, and that sort of irks me because hey, it's really cool to find a thing, but you are sort of punished so harshly for not finding a thing that it's just like help guarantee me to find things. Um, like I want to, I want a better way to be able to like. It was a weird thing. It's. If you ever watch speedruns of the NES Legend of Zelda, like the way that they have gotten to that game is very much like they have narrowed down the like algorithm for spawn probability of like rupees and heart containers. Yeah. So sometimes they will take hits just to manipulate that to be like, well, I need to have this much money by this point. So the best way to do that is like kill four enemies, then take a hit, and then I know I'll get a rupee. And I'm just like, are you insane? And like, yes, they're a little insane, but like, but that's the thing. Like, in order to to become good at that game, they have like you have to have figured a really out understanding of how the code and stuff works. Yes, but like, like there is an algorithm, and they have figured it out, and then they were like, okay, I feel like I have control over this thing now. I'm not up to the whims of randomness. I have controlled this, and like, I don't know. People have gotten better at making things random. Yeah. Uh, I, I think well, like, in some cases. Uh, there's this, like, uh, punch-out speedruns. There are actually a lot of visual cues in when to punch people. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like, it, I feel like Nuclear Throne, like, while still randomly generated, has made decisions where it is a lot more skill-based. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gungeon is, like, a lot more about, like, well, I hope you get good loot. Um... And the loot is what it's all about. Like you want to be getting good loot, I mean, but like, I guess because I went, to... I got through uh, four levels, I think, using just the starter gun in Gungeon. Gungeon. 
Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't get I didn't like I, I got some other stuff, I bought it, I didn't care. Um so it, it I mean the randomness is there, but I guess it's just like but again, like it's that same kind of thing because I, I think we share the thing. It's like, well, if this thing runs out of bullets, I want to save those bullets for when it counts. Yeah. So, like, yes, get good at the thing that you always trust you have. That's I feel I feel like that is a trend in very skill based games. Like, hey, here's something that you will reliably always have. Like, uh, Mega Man. How many Mega Man speedrunners will like for you know ninety percent of the time use uh the Mega Buster? Because it's, they got to the point where mantis runs are a thing, where it's not so much to never take a hit, but also never miss a shot. Like, yeah. if you miss a shot, that's the end of your run, and just like, okay. But it, it's this thing about, like, here's something that's consistent and and reliable, and you can always, you can always trust in it. And I feel that in a weird way, Gungeon doesn't have as much that you can rely on, in that sense. Whereas Nuclear Throne is just like, well, I know that, you know, when each level spawns, I don't know where it's going to be, but it's going to have these things, and I can do, you know, these things with them, and here's how I can get them, and here is... Well, I um, mean, because... E- even, even with the way that each environment has, like, a specific, you know, has different enemies, it's always a specific set of enemies. So once you get used to the environment, you're like, okay, well, I have these four guys, and here's the patterns I can expect from how they interact, and you don't, like, there's not just, hey, here's just this other dude messing things up like they are they are built to work with each other and to have a specific experience that comes out from that set of enemies um it's like it's not just a mess of throwing everything together that being said if you do the special requirement in order to loop it the game becomes literally a mess of throwing everything together. But to get to that point, you will have needed to be able to beat the game and then have a sense of control over the fight with the final boss. So you will not experience that for a long time until you're ready to just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I want to take on a mess. Give me the mess. Yeah. Make, make a mess all over my face. No. Nope, don't do that. Face check this mess. <laughs> That's that's how I learned to play TF2. <laughs> Man, it looks like a mess over there. Let me check out my face. <laughs> TF2? Maybe Dota? That's all the same. TF2 is spy checks, not face checks? Oh, gosh. Which is funny, because when a spy is in disguise, they just have a thing over their face. So kind of the same thing. Yeah, you got to check their face to see if they're a spy. <sighs> yeah. See, they should, once, once they start making uh, flame-proof masks, uh, they'll be fine. That's how that works, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like I'm on the losing end of this, because really when you talk about Nuclear Throne, like, Nuclear Throne, I think, is maybe one of my, like, Twin Stick Shooters is one of my favorite genres, and Nuclear Throne might be my favorite game within that genre. All right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm just not a fan, but that's mostly just because of, it comes down to, for me, uh, how I play games and what I get out of them. Uh, yeah. Like, I feel everything, it, Nuclear Throne is a game, it's got all that stuff there, it's very arcadey, which is fun, uh, but if I'm good, I, I would get, I get bored of it very easily, because yeah. it's just kind of the same thing for me over and over. Exactly, like, I, I come from a space, you know, a lot of, pretty much all of my high school years was like, Unreal Tournament. <laughs> so, that idea of like, hey, there's one thing you gotta do, and it's about like, putting the bullet on them and having the bullet not be put on you, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, this game is a lot of that, but the... Action quick. 
the the overhead perspective means that you get information about what's behind you and it's a, it's very much about just like here improve your skill at this one thing and then at some point you can make tactical decisions around that to be even better at it nice um it's just like the same way that quake 3 at high levels isn't so much about shooting a dude it's about like okay remember like know exactly how long it takes for the armor to respawn so that way you can be on it the frame it responds to make sure that your enemy won't be able to get it for the entire <laughs> match and insane shit like that um or also Games are uh, fun, guys. tetris attack oh man and, like i like tetris attack and nuclear for, for the same reason because tetris attack is like hey put three in a row you can do that. It'll take you a while to figure out, like, to be able to see it often. But then, once you're good at that, it's like, okay, now do five. Now do five so that it makes three fall, so that it makes four fall, so that way, by the time the garbage drops, you will have cleared out the board, and then the garbage itself will clear, and then also line up three things while that's falling. And you're just like, okay, we started, like, you gave me one thing I can do, and then you gave me the opportunity to do a lot of crazy stuff with it. Yep. Um, Titches. But but that's one of the things. Those are all games where it's it's about an elegant design around like few but powerful abilities and about just letting you skill up with those abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you actually go to talk about it, there's not much to talk about. It's it's very much about it really visceral. It's, it's something it's about... you kind of have to experience and go through for yourself. Not not so much judge for yourself. I mean. Determine what you get out of it, and that that's important. And, and hearing other people, what they get out of it, kind of gives you a better idea about what the game's about, really. Yeah. It's... Like, so, to go back to Spelunky, like... Spelunky really hit the balance right between, because Spelunky, like... Yeah, you build up, like, passive abilities over time, but for the most part, you know... It's like, okay, now my bombs stick. I still am working with bombs. Now I can yep. climb up, like, walls. I used to be able to just stick to edges, of which there were many. Yep. And all and abilities you get in that are just in the run. You don't really unlock anything outside of that. Yeah. But, but like, like even though, like, like, you start out with, like, bomb, jump, whip, and rope. And although yep. those four can get better, you never really get anything besides those four. And nope. then, like, picking up and throw stuff. Which that gets complex, but like that that struck the the middle between it's like it's like there was enough stuff in the environment as the environment changed that like you can tell like it's sort of about how good are the stories that you can tell because like Enter the Gungeon preloads it for you so you can say like I picked up this gun that was just a freaking mailbox <laughs> and that's a good story you can tell yep. and Spelunky you can be like well I tried to throw a bomb over here, but it hit a bounce pad that just blew a Yeti onto me, and when he landed on me, I died. That's a pretty cool story you can tell that uh, comes about, right? (laughs) But that's a story that comes about through the interaction of the systems in there. It's all stuff you do. It's The exciting part isn't that they built a Yeti into the game. The exciting part is that, like, Yetis can get knocked around by bombs and crush you to death or whatever. Yeah. Nuclear Throne, like tells like the stories that you you don't get so many good stories to tell out of nuclear throne but what makes for bad stories feels really good in the moment so you can be like oh man i was able to use my melee to reflect these five bullets to kill that guy over there and then also made a safe space so that i could get over and pick up a second disc gun and then i was just firing (laughs) bouncing discs everywhere like yeah nuclear throne is very in the moment like i feel like that story isn't as good to tell 
But when you have just finished having that moment, you're just like, holy shit, that was awesome. Yeah. But it's hard to tell the story of how that was awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like anytime you talk about it, it's just at a disadvantage from that. But uh, like I said, after I see everything that has been built into Enter the Gungeon, I'm going to go back and keep adding hours to Nuclear Throne. Like that one's still just, I find that more fun to play, more more fulfilling to find yourself getting better at. Mm-hmm. And also, I really like the character of Chicken. It's a chicken. With a gun. No, she starts with a sword. Yeah, no, that's the interesting part about Chicken. I think part of why she's so hard to unlock now is because she starts with a sword instead of the regular pistol, Mm -hmm. which means that she's the only character who starts with an ability to negate, never mind reflect, but she can negate bullets to create a safe base for herself, which sort of does kind of what the dodge roll does. Yeah. Um, except instead of trying to get to a safe spot, you create a safe spot. Oh, well, it's more the same reliable. with Crystal. Um, just you can't attack with it. That's true. Um, Crystal does something similar. But that'll also... Uh, you can't do that forever, and it mm-hmm. doesn't create a space. It just, like... Delays the inevitable. Un- it lets you wait for until a space exists, whereas Chicken actually... A sword lets you create a space. That's fair. Also... Um, because it's a melee weapon, it doesn't start with ammo. So she's technically the only person who starts with infinite ammo. Nice. Is, is there a... Again, like, just the debris that will come out of guns and into the gungeon? Like, a, a thing that shoots fish. So every time you hit... There's a t-shirt cannon gun? And just, like, when you hit somebody with it, it's just t-shirts start covering them all over and, like, laying on the floor? Excellent. It's... It's hilarious. They They've got really good ideas and really good gags yeah. but i think the gameplay is lacking whereas nuclear throne i think the gameplay is much better crafted and considered but there's not as much there's not as many gimmicks in it so it doesn't make for a good story to be told to others um that's fair uh, they both have co-op they do which scares me on both counts yeah uh, because you think the you, the the camera in Nuclear Throne, when you have one person, is kind of nuts. We we tried at one point. We played. We a did. Lot. It wasn't great. No. And also <laughs> in Gungeon, it's weird because there, the only way to do co-op is there a spe- is there is a specific second player character who like has weird co-op like a, starting abilities that are only relevant to co-op. Like, a cookie that lets you bring your friend back from the dead, and also when he dies, he becomes a ghost. Just like in uh, Bomberman 64, uh, co-op was, you were this little flying, I don't even remember what it was. You were not a Bomberman. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) You ever play, I don't know why you would play this, but Sonic Lost World? No. No, I don't think I have. That game has co-op? But the second player is a remote control helicopter or fighter jet. You get, like, different hats for what kind of flying remote control vehicle you are. Okay. And all you do is, like, go around the screen and collect rings and, like, the secret items. All right. Which is actually really helpful because controlling Sonic in order to try and get those things is infuriating because they haven't made a good Sonic game in a long time. (laughs) It's weird. Uh... Yeah, the, the the breakdown is basically like one plays better, one tells better stories. I think that's a, a, any other like other than that, like yeah, they're kind of like 
bullet hellish top-down shooters, twin-stick shooters. Yeah, and, uh, and hearing that, it, it, it's something you have to kind of experience for yourself to kind yeah. of see which one, which style uh, fits you better. And they're both worth trying, definitely. They are, and but but the thing, like if you're going to try and sell somebody, like somebody who's maybe not into the genre, it's like give them Enter the Gungeon, uh, and then just be like, hey, if you're really frustrated at the way that this plays, like if you like the idea of how it plays, but you're frustrated, or, or like really though, like Geometry Wars is like where you get somebody started with this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you yeah, know that's fair. That's, like, that's true. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you give somebody Geometry Wars, and you're just like, hey, do you like this? Do you like the way it plays? Because then go try Nuclear Throne. If you have something like this, but you want it to be, like, clever and funny and have, like, a bit of a story, then go play uh, Enter the Gungeon. What was that bullet hell where you're flying around, and there's a lot of bullets, and suddenly you're fighting a cow in a cube? Cow in a cube? Yeah. Like a, a gelatinous cube or like a no? 4D it's like cube? like like a four the four a four D cube actually, and you're fighting this this cow and it's flying around shooting lasers. Space giraffe? No. In a weird way, like I think my favorite one of these, like hey, let's take a twin stick and give it a different sensibility, was Inferno for the Xbox Live Indie Arcade games. Okay. Because it was twin stick, you had bombs, but you were also going through like handcrafted levels with swarms of enemies who oh, I think, only sometimes I think shot one, bullets. Or, yeah, well, like Geometry Wars, one of the simplest, uh, uh, straightforward twin shooters we got is I made a game with zombies in it. That one was really good. Yeah, that's okay. That's like again, that tells like a pretty good story. Only the one, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. <laughs> From Ska Studios, who went on to make Salt and Sanctuary, which is oh, just yeah? a 2D Dark Souls. Yeah. That company is weird. Yeah. Really, if you want to go... Okay, here's here's a weirdest one I'll mention, just as we're to finish rattling off the list of Twin Six Shooters yeah. throughout history. Um, the, the, the granddaddy, you could probably say, is like Robotron, Robotron 2048. And... Here's the weird thing. There's a really good emulated version of that in the Midway Arcade Classics expansion pack for LEGO Dimensions. What? Yeah, so, like, LEGO Dimensions is a LEGO-ass LEGO game, but yeah. with, like, yeah. you buy the physical toys to unlock levels and characters and stuff. Yeah. One of them is the Midway Arcade Classics pack, which is a dude who drinks soda to get special abilities, and he also has the car from Spy Hunter and an arcade machine that turns into a alien from Defender or just a big-ass laser cannon. Okay. But the thing is, like, when it's in arcade machine form, you plug it into these, like, arcade room walls that are just scattered about some of the levels throughout the game, and once you plug it in, you then use it, and it just emulates fucking Midway games. <laughs> So do you want to play Championship Sprint? Do you want to play Paperboy? Do you want to play fucking Zybots? It's really... It's just emulating them. But they're also pretty good emulations. Like, they run smoothly. They're very responsive in the controls. Two-player works really well. It's so weird! That's amazing. Gauntlet and Gauntlet 2 are both in there. If you want to talk about things that are kind of twin-stick shooters that... (laughs) I don't suggest you play. 
Um, Binding of Isaac is the other one a lot of people might know. Everyone says, like, oh, it's like a Legend of Zelda. Fuck you. Binding of Isaac is a twin-stick shooter. Oh, have you played Our Darker Purpose? I have not. Uh, That's a delightful twin-stick shooter. Really? Well, it's not not really a twin-stick shooter. It's like a twin-stick shooter in, like, Binding of Isaac is. I can work with that. Uh, I've gotten everything on. I think I've gotten all the achievements on it. Oh, dude, and it's only like three bucks. Yeah, it's actually really good. Uh, I've been. I've, that's, oh yeah, that looks like a knockoff. Uh... It's 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 very good. And I prefer it for a lot of reasons, but we can talk about that some other time. Um, like we said, uh, this is the first time ever that we've talked about uh, paid for games on this podcast. Uh, I would like that when we do this, we keep it to like. $20 or less games. Yeah, try to keep it on the, the cheaper end. Um, right now, Enter the Gungeon is available on Steam for $15. And that's and that, and it was just released. Right? It was just released. Yeah. And Nuclear Throne is available on Steam for $12. Uh, it was like $10 for a very long time throughout Early Access. I think this is what their uh, uh, finished price is going to be now that it's like 1.0 officially released. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, those are, you should check out at least one of these. I, I would, I would if suggest you're into, both, if you, if you can, yeah, if you're into twin six shooters already, check out both. Uh, and, Cause they are, and, they are, they are different. And, but I think we'll find one that you like. They, 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 the thing about them is like, it isn't, it's not just, I don't like the part, the idea of like throwing shade on Vlambeer for like being a lazy developer or something like that. But it's just. I th- I don't think it's a fair comparison because they are it, no well especially if you consider how they were like gone yeah um but really the games just have different focus and I feel like uh you know Gungeon is narrative focus about the story that it lets you tell afterwards and Nuclear Throne is about like hey play this thing it feels really good it's well crafted it's it's yep. about the gameplay of it put in a quarter um, play a game yeah it's very arcadey okay. I'm going to put links for where you can buy both of these games uh, in this episode's show notes. The show notes can be found on our website at elitecostudios.net slash podcast. Or if you just care about the freeware game reviews, just add slash NCC to the end of that. Going to slash podcast by itself will give you the page where all of our shows are combined. We also do Orbiting the Ghost Planet, where we uh, watch and talk about Space Ghost Coast to Coast episodes. And we have Late Night Gaiden, which is a show about two friends and not enough sleep or something like that. While you're at Aliku Studios, you can check out some of the other stuff we have up there. We have a couple of comics. Uh, Joe is still working on her comic Guardian, which always has new pages going up on her Tumblr. We have Thought Break, which is a single panel comic about weird thoughts that you have throughout the day and normally are kept secret probably for good reasons plus i want to let people know that if you go to lcom.itch.io i have uh that's a page where i have a whole bunch of games that i've made posted and i actually just updated it so that each of my uh, tabletop games complete or otherwise has its own page now so uh if you want to keep track of all the things that I work on from time to time, that is now a fantastic place to do it. It also helps uh, me keep track of everything. If there's anything that uh, you would like to hear us talk about on this show, if you want to suggest games, if you have questions, feedbacks, responses, we'd be happy to take that in, maybe even uh, get you read on air. You can do that by sending us email. 
podcast at elitecustudios.net. O-L-E-E-T-K-U, Eliteku. Or you could find us on Twitter at Eliteku. And we'd always be happy to get ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you search for Eliteku on iTunes, you will find all of our shows and the feed that contains all of them. And that's a really easy way to subscribe if you want to keep up to date on uh, the shows that we do over here. And any any support that you want to give us is always just appreciated and loved. It's loved. Um, all right, so that's going to do it. Uh, please go check out these games if you have the funds to do so. And hopefully it won't just set you back too far, because uh, that is very much what we are about here, is doing a lot with a little money, uh, if any at all. Uh, and thank you for joining us. Andrew, thank you for talking with me about these games. Always a pleasure. I've hopefully cleared up the air between them a little bit. I really love them both. Gungeon just frustrates me more, even though maybe Nuclear Throne is harder. Uh, and that's... Uh, we're going to call it there. Uh, we will talk to you all next time when we'll have another cheap or free game to talk about. Uh, until then, remember to give credit where credit is 25 cents per play. Took me a long time of rambling to figure out and remember what our outro was. <laughs> I finally got it. <laughs>